0: hello and welcome to the related to geeks podcast the podcast about a geeky family this is episode seven original air date october 29 2015. hello my name is megan and i am the youngest of the siblings as well as your host and tonight with us is my brother kier hello my sister sarah hi and our dad harry larry
1: here present and accounted for
0: a key that's how you say it in spanish i am educated Uh, To explain a little bit about this particular podcast, we will start off with whatever's caused us to geek out lately. Then we'll take a quick break, come back uh, with our topic of the week, and then wrap things up with our pick of the week. So, without any further ado, and with no more tongue ties, Sarah, your, your turn to get tongue tied. What's caused you to geek out
2: lately? Well, we spent a week pretty much sick in our house. We were... Uh, in Arkansas for a weekend and came home and and Liz and I immediately when we got back were just with some sort of horrible cold that would not go away and we passed it on to my husband who spent the last part of the week homesick from work and we spent a lot of time sitting under blankets watching YouTube because that's what we do and and I found some new channels that I'm pretty excited about and they're not new channels but. I've I've always just used YouTube kind of as a look things up that I'm interested in and see what I can find out about stuff. I've rarely followed people um, other than some board game podcasters, not podcasters, other than some board game YouTube channels. And so we spend a lot of time. I know I've talked about we we watch Crash Course. Uh, We've been watching Crash Course Astronomy and they're still we're caught up. They're still putting stuff out every week or so but we watched some of the other Crash Course things as well and we watched um, SciShow which is also a Green Brothers production and that's interesting they have a SciShow talk show I don't know have any of y'all watched that one at all?
3: I have not I actually just watched SciShow for the first time last week.
2: I really like the talk show and of course I mean they, they bring somebody in and they talk a little bit about something that's That's interesting to them in the world of science. And then at the end of every episode, Jesse from Animal Wonders, which is another channel that's kind of a Green Brothers channel, I guess. She'll bring in animals and talk about them with Hank and whoever his guest is. And Liz, of course, being a huge animal lover, just eats it up. So we're we're learning lots of stuff with that one. We're really liking that a lot, um, SciShow. And then we've also been watching Brain Scoop which was originally a Green Brothers production, and this one I think is an interesting story. Emily was working as a volunteer at the University of Montana's Natural History Museum, and she was doing a lot of taxidermy and stuff like that, so they started doing this show called The Brain Scoop where she would talk about taxidermying animals for this museum, and she did this all as a volunteer because she was really excited about it and passionate about it. and. And wanted to to share her knowledge about what she had learned I think this is a really interesting story because after she had been doing this for a while she got an offer from the Field Museum in Chicago to come work for them and to be kind of a correspondent and they bought the, the channel the brain scoop from I guess Hank Green and So she's now working at the Field Museum full time doing like these kind of, she's still doing the brain scoop, but she's branched out. It's not all about taxidermy now. She she just goes around the museum and talks to different people and kind of showcases their collection over YouTube, which I think is amazing. I'm really enjoying that one.
3: What is the craziest animal that's ever been on the talk show?
2: She does have an arctic fox, which is kind of interesting. I don't know about crazy animals. None of them seem super crazy to me. But okay. she has she has snakes and lizards that I mean they're all fascinating.
1: Yeah. I have two follow up comments.
2: Okay.
1: Brother Joe was a taxidermist. Who was? Brother Joe, before he became a preacher at our church. He oh, was okay. a taxidermist. So I thought that was interesting. And my other follow up comment is it's not a YouTube, but just today I saw a Hubble picture of two hundred and fifty dwarf galaxies, a cluster of 250 dwarf galaxies, and they're so far away, it's way back at the beginning of the universe, you know. It's way back in time. So it's my new wallpaper right now, but it's a pretty amazing thing. They're uh, small and different, you know. I mean, small for galaxies. They're still big compared to us. Yeah. But it's a new picture from the Hubble.
3: How come you never hear about any elf galaxies? Oh,
1: goodness. <laughs> 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 Nothing. I don't want to go to no organs.
0: I like that Dad says he has two follow-up comments. one vaguely has anything to do with what Sarah had to say and one had absolutely nothing to do. I did talk about no, that. you talked talk about Sarah. astronomy for like five seconds and you talked about animals for all
2: <laughs> so so well, we also I mean we watched a, we watched a lot of stuff we watched by Heart, which Dad introduced us to her and oh and I love Vi One of the things that's amazing to me is it doesn't matter what Liz is focused on or doing, if I start a Viheart video, it's like she just hears the voice and is immediately focused in on whatever it is that that Viheart is doing, which I think is amazing. (laughs) I mean, we've been watching a lot of stuff from the PBS Digital Studios. Honestly, if you want some really interesting stuff, just go to the Vlogbrothers or Crash Course or PBS Digital Studios and start following subscription links. Because you get some interesting stuff that way. I enjoy it. So,
1: when uh, Brother that. Joe told us he was a taxidermist, <laughs> I asked him if that was like being a taxi driver. Was it? No, he said not at all. It's quite <laughs> different, different, actually. Like
3: <laughs> it's,
0: it's quite a different <laughs> occupation. <laughs> Uh. (laughs) So, I have a comment that's about YouTube as a whole, and I don't want to, like, dwell on this too long, but something that fascinated me this weekend is I was having a conversation with Keir and Carl about YouTube, and Carl and I got into a discussion about PewDiePie, and Carl was challenging me that he was the number one subscribed on YouTube, and I actually went and looked it up and we discussed it a little bit, and Kier had no idea who PewDiePie was. Didn't have the faintest idea. And it's just amazing to me how much content there is on YouTube to the point where someone who's really known for being the biggest YouTuber, like, I mean, that's kind of his thing is that he is the top, and he's not winning by just a little bit. He's got millions more uh, than the next uh, most subscribed and uh, Keir didn't have the faintest idea who, who it was so and Keir watches a lot of YouTube I know he does it's not like he's just not familiar yep. with YouTube at all so that was fascinating to me just how much out there there really is on YouTube to where someone who watches YouTube as I, much as
1: I never heard of him yeah and I'm a YouTube guy
0: yeah some (laughs) people who really spend a lot of time watching YouTube may may spend all that time and never know the most subscribed you you know YouTube channel out there may never visit it you know or happen upon it and I think that's
1: really cool that there's just that much content so much time watching as I do uploading
3: I actually did look him up uh, this morning and I watched a couple of his videos and i don't know that he's for me
1: <laughs> well i'm
0: not saying that he's for me either i'm just saying it's weird <laughs> that you didn't know of yeah. him <laughs> yeah.
3: this is well this stampy is what... has
1: a lot of subscribers and i hate stampy <laughs> oh,
3: i i actually really like stampy
1: anyway um
3: uh,
1: uh, stampy and pewdiepie will be linked in the show notes
3: yeah, because they, they need more subscribers. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> They're really hurting out somebody there.
2: Else, just in case somebody else hasn't heard of them.
0: Um, I'm gonna let Dad go next because I, I feel like me and Kier are going to overlap quite a bit. So, Dad, what's oh, yeah, caused... It's you, just
3: gonna be the same thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dad, what's caused you you to geek out lately?
1: Okay, I've been geeking out on uh, audio and video setup in the house. Um, what happened was we've been uh, flea market a little, you know, trying to, well, actually I had to uh, buy a new purse because my zipper broke on my old purse. And then also, um, uh, you know, Christmas and birthdays, that kind of stuff, we like to hit the flea markets and get some unique stuff. And uh, so at this flea market on Middleton, there was a 32-inch Samsung flat screen um, that I got for 75 bucks and uh, I'm uh, very happy with it and I put it in our living room and it's not a smart TV so I brought in uh, the Samsung Blu-ray player which has the smart features and since it's 32 inch the speakers that I had in here didn't fit so I had to change out the speakers and so I set all that up and I got it hooked up to my computer I had to order a part I just got a a cable strung across the floor right now until I can get a part so I can use my longer cable so it's been exciting getting all that stuff working and then the Vizio that wasn't here went out onto the back porch where um, we really needed a smart TV so the uh, grandkids could watch YouTube's or Netflix out on the back porch so it it's it is a smart TV so it's all built in one remote and they can watch YouTube or, or channels or Netflix. Then the one that was on the back porch on that uh uh mount, you know, Wall mount thing, it's now in the bedroom. So I moved all this stuff around and tried to make it work right. And I'm a lot happier with the way it's working right now than I was before.
3: So the main advantage here, uh, with this new setup is you've now got a smart T V on the back porch and when Wendy comes over and watches Stampy Cat she can watch (laughs) it on the back porch.
1: Yeah, we can stick the kids out on the back porch and not have to listen to Stampy. Okay, Megan, what have you and Kier been geeking out about?
0: Oh, me and Kier had a super awesome trip. We went down to Denton, Texas with our brother Carl, and we went to ArtistCon, which is a convention put on by Reaper, and it was completely free this time around. I'm guessing uh, past events have not been free. I know the Reaper Big Convention is definitely not free, um, but it was a fabulous gateway drug for me and Kier because now we're super excited about ReaperCon next year and are already preparing to spend all the monies, as Kier would put it, all of the monies. Um, But I had a blast. Kier, you were just... In way more hog heaven than I ever was. I mean, I really enjoyed it, but you were just so excited to the point that I, I, I really couldn't stand to be around you sometimes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like a kid in a miniature store. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, so, eni- essentially what the artist conference is, is Reaper has a bunch of painters and sculptures they have on staff. And once a year, they would fly them all to the Reaper headquarters and they would just share their techniques and their what they've learned with each other. And whenever they did that, of course, all of their skills just went up exponentially because they were just learning everything from all of the other sculptors and artists. And then after a while, to help pay for this, Reaper started the artist conference where people could come in and pay to have classes with the sculptors and the painters. So I got to take a sculpting class with uh, Julie Guthrie. And then I got to take some conversion classes with Jason Weeby. And there were countless uh, sculptors and artists and painters, just, you know, not just Reaper, but from anyone who was a miniature enthusiast, came and painted, we shared techniques, and I learned just a tremendous amount in miniature conversion, sculpting, painting, and ended up spending a little bit too much money, even though everything was free, because it was still a miniature gaming store. And (laughs) Also, just got a ridiculous amount of swag and had a fantastic time.
0: Yeah, I uh, recently got rid of a Large portion of my miniatures because I just wasn't doing anything with them, and I don't necessarily regret that decision because I don't think Any of those miniatures were really the miniatures that I would have used anyway, but it's definitely kind of reinvigorated my interest enough that the miniatures that I've kept and the few miniatures that I got over the weekend I'm really excited to to paint and work with um, I did you know, pull a Megan and end up buying like, you know, the only figures in there that had anything to do with Doctor Who. Uh, and so, <laughs> I mean, that's what I chose to spend my money on. I'm not, I'm I'm obviously not really planning on using them in a dungeon crawl or D&D game or anything like that. It's just uh, pretty, pretty pieces that I get to paint and put on my shelf and, and, and be excited about. But I even started painting them tonight and Right now, I got two gray pieces and a blue piece hanging out over next to me. I got the TARDIS and, and two Weeping Angels, which they actually called the Telephone Box and Angels
2: of Sorrow. They were very clever with their names. So, an interesting it. thing about those two pieces is they were in a Kickstarter. And they would kind of do bundles, Reaper would, in their Kickstarters. And they put the Weeping Angel and the <laughs> Telephone, or, I'm sorry, whatever you, the the Angel of Sorrow, in the Telephone booth, <laughs> in separate bundles and then of course the response to that was reaper i see what you mm-hmm. did there. <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny
3: <laughs> yep <laughs> i want both of, course, of these of
2: course now of course now you can just go to the store and buy them and not have to buy them. yeah that's what one, i did so that's helpful <laughs> I don't think we got either of the bundles. I I don't even know if it was with the... We did the Bones 2 Kickstarter, and I don't think we got either of the bundles with the the Doctor Who stuff in it, but it may have been in this Bones 3 one. I don't remember.
0: So I feel like somebody, and so, by somebody, probably Kier, needs to explain a little bit about what Reaper is, and specifically what
3: Bones are. Reaper Miniatures is a uh, gaming and miniatures company, and they did miniatures primarily for a very long time. And then from what I understand, they decided that they were wanting to get into pre-paints and they released a few pre-paints. And as kind of an afterthought, they said, you know, we got this Kickstarter thing seems pretty popular and uh, let's just try to, you know, see if we can raise some money to get some modeling sculpts, you know, the, the molds and all that tooling done. And then we'll just offer the unpainted versions as rewards, and maybe that can help launch our pre-paint line. And as it turns out, it was insanely successful. If you give someone a decent product at a decent price, they will eat it up. And if you give someone a decent product at a ridiculous price, they will eat it up in spades their first kickstarter they raised over three million dollars their second one was over two their third one was also over two and they went from a miniature gaming company to a you know multi-million dollar miniature gaming company pretty darn quick and yeah uh you know i have I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that they were successful before this came along, but the success is over the top. And uh, I absolutely adore Reaper Bones. They're a soft white plastic. Uh, not so soft as they just kind of fall over. Uh, but a, uh, very much the consistency of a pre-painted plastic miniature that you might get for like DDM or Pathfinder or HeroClix. They're fantastic to paint. They're nearly indestructible. Uh, And on top of all that, uh, they're incredibly easy to work with. You can still use green stuff and uh, add stuff onto them, like tapes and pouches and things like that. You can still cut them up real easy and put them back together in new configurations and make your own models. They're just... Wonderful.
2: Not to mention they have insanely cute mouselings.
3: Oh yes. I'm a fan of the mouselings.
2: If if you if you don't know Reaper, just look at their mouselings. They're amazing. They also have super phenomenally phenomenally cool dragons. Oh yeah. Like showcase I'm, I'm starting my
3: collection of dragons now. I've uh I've got the uh white one and the black one. Uh I, I say like there's only one of each of those, but I've got a a very large white one and a very large black one. I'm going to pick up the uh, blue, green, and red next. I think I've got the blue on order with this next Bones 3. And I'm just... I'm loving it. It's really the thing that's rekindled my love of miniatures. I, I used to love miniatures when I was a kid, and I did a bunch of Warhammer and things like that. But that stuff is so expensive... I mean, it's it's high quality stuff, and I'm, I'm sure it's worth the money. The, the Bones is so affordable that anyone can get into it. In fact, uh, I had a uh, co-worker from our mobile office come to the Jonesboro office to cross-train, and when they did, they, you know, they're just staying in a hotel after hours by themselves and we happened to have a paint night one night and I was like, hey, come paint a miniature with us and I gave her one of my Bones miniatures and she painted it up that night and she had such a good time that she's now ordering a Reaper Bones starter paint kit and is starting down the miniature path.
1: Well, I saw a a photo uh, taken. speaking of miniatures, you know, I saw a photo taken by the Hubble Two hundred and fifty miniature galaxies <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 uh, the thing about Dad is when he when, when the joke doesn't land the first time, he'll just repeat it later and he'll just keep doing that until it works,
3: <laughs> oh man. <sighs> Uh. Oh,
1: that's good. I stole that technique from Samuel <laughs> Clements.
2: <clears throat>
0: Quick uh, self plug before we go to break. Uh, if you want to learn more about bones and just how tough they are, Carl did a stress test. Um, which is a very good video that he did on our YouTube channel. So you should go check that out if you want to learn just a little bit more about bones. And of course you can just like Google them and things like that. and You know.
3: Whoa. 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 We had
0: Robot, Robot Megan. Robot Megan. It probably didn't show up in the recording, though. You had Robot Megan. Yeah. I didn't hear Robot Here Megan. She had Robot I'm Megan.
1: i I heard just Robot think. Megan. <laughs> 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 I
2: just I could have tuned her out, too. That's possible. She's <laughs> talking about Carl. No. No. <laughs> So
0: it's not that you tuned me out because of me. It's you tuned me out because of Carl.
2: <laughs> no, no, I just didn't kick up the robot. I may just not have you my. Just hands. You just don't want out.
1: to miss Carl's phone stress test video on YouTube, where he hits miniatures with a hammer. It's true. It's funny.
2: He does. He does. All right.
1: He doesn't just kind of hit him either. He
2: <laughs> goes for it.
1: <laughs> okay. All right.
0: All right. On that note, we are going to go to break, and we will come back with our topic of the week. boop
3: you
1: are listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast of a geeky family visit our website at related to and check out our YouTube channel where you can enjoy our videos.
0: Alright, welcome back! Our topic of the week, and very festive, seeing as Halloween is this weekend, is creative costumes. We grew up with a variety of interests And, as you could probably guess, we turned that into a variety of really creative and unusual costumes, I'm sure, over the years. So we're just going to
2: open this up for discussion on how we came about these costumes. I will say, I'm going to start with saying that that growing up, um, I remember having very few store-bought costumes. Um, I think I remember maybe one year. Uh, there was a little dollar store in the town that my, that that I was young in, <laughs> uh, not not where we moved when I got older. But there was a little dollar store, and I kind of remember maybe mom and dad buying me one costume there, in all of my years of Halloween costumes. And almost everything else was either pieced together or handmade, um, which I think is cool. I like that, and we've kind of continued that tradition with with our daughter, um, and and she's had like one, no, she's had two totally store-bought costumes and in the, the 14 years she went trick-or-treating so I really like that about about Halloween and trying to be creative and, and coming up with fun ideas
3: yeah I remember uh, some of the costumes that uh, mom and dad made for me and uh, honestly the one that sticks out the most is mom did this costume where it was like food coloring and oatmeal and some sort of binding agent. I don't know what all was in it, and she smeared it on my face, and I was just the most hideous, awful monster I had ever seen, and I was so happy because that's really what, like, every eight- or nine-year-old boy wants to be. It's just the most hideous, awful monster that you can be.
2: I remember when I was taking um, stage makeup in my theater. I was, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before. I was a theater major in college. And I can remember putting scars on on both you and Carl's faces because y'all wanted, like, open gashes and and all kinds of stuff. And I spent, I don't know, I spent a long time using, you know, making, making these scars for your faces. And, and you probably would have been that kind of same age range, like probably ten or so.
0: Well, I can tell you, having fairly recently gone on a zombie walk with Kier, that fascination with scars and, and, and fake blood and, and stuff like that didn't really go away. Because no. he was pulling
3: out all the stuff <laughs> for that. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I, uh, I found a recipe for fake blood That was mostly corn syrup and and cocoa powder. So it was just like this super sweet chocolate blood. And, uh... I decked myself out for the zombie walk. and, And once everyone was done with the blood, I just poured it, like, into my mouth and let it spill out all over my beard. And then just rubbed it all over my face. And, uh... Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a good time. <laughs> the uh, the way I would get people is I had all these glumpy gloppy masses of blood and gore just stuck in my beard, and I'd be walking along, dragging my foot, and I'd make eye contact with someone in the crowd who was just watching. I'd just keep that eye contact. I'd very absent mindedly reach up and start fiddling with the beard and pull up this big old glob. I'd look at it, and then I'd eat it, and every time they just immediately turn away like they're going to throw up. And I was so happy.
2: <laughs> it is kind of gross.
3: Yeah, but man, <laughs> that, that chocolate blood is really good.
2: <laughs> I have I have made concoctions like that. Occasionally, we'd have to do like um, some sort of like prop package. You know, like you do the blood capsules and stuff like that. For theater and and sometimes that would fall under props it just depended on on things sometimes it would fall under costuming and sometimes you know makeup was usually done by the actors, so we didn't have like a makeup department um so it just kind of depended on how it was being implemented what department it came out of so i got to I got to do a fair bit of of fake blood and that the the corn syrup and chocolate powder worked really well for sure
1: when I was a very small child um, I think it was uh, maybe even preschool or first grade but uh, my grandmother my mother's mother made uh, me and my friend costumes and she sewed them you know herself and they were uh, Davy Crockett costumes with the coonskin cap it was a big Davy Crockett year on TV and all that you know and uh, man we were we were great, man. We had uh you know fringes coming off our pants like uh you know and uh and that's a a homemade costume you know and ever since that i i've never I never got the appeal of buying a costume you know when you make it yourself, it's unique and different and I always wanted to make costumes, not buy costumes
3: continuing that tradition is my wife who Uh, learned to sew at a very young age has been sewing her entire life and she's just incredible it. blows my mind
1: she makes some super
3: cool stuff she's gotten to the point where where it's like you know 8pm and she goes oh it's picture day tomorrow Uh, I'll make Wendy something special to wear and then she sews a dress and goes to bed 8 o'clock at night in bed by 10 complete dress on the wall ready to go and i'm just blown away
2: and the thing is is none of these are like simple they don't look simple to me anyway they're all ruffles and i mean yeah, it's amazing to me just just watching what she does
3: the biggest feather in her cap probably came from this year we went to disney world and uh this will be a, uh, a a podcast that we will share with Wendy when she is older but uh, the mice from Cinderella made Wendy a Cinderella dress and we had it waiting for her in her room and uh, Rosemary, I mean she really put everything into this dress so she was so proud of it and uh, when we got to Disney World, the first thing we did was we took her to Bibbidi-bobbidi boutique, and her new Cinderella dress, and she got her makeup on, and uh, we went to 1900 Park Fair, which is the Cinderella fairy tale dinner, and we're standing in line to get in the 1900 Park Fair, and this little girl, wearing a store-bought Cinderella dress, comes out, points at Wendy, tugs on her mom's pant leg, and says, "Look, mommy." She's got a real Cinderella dress. And I thought Rosemary was going to fall over. She was so, just grinning from ear to (laughs) ear.
0: (laughs) I want to talk about my favorite costume growing up. Because as you might have, you know, figured out by listening to this podcast, I was a geek growing up. And so I really wanted to be Xena. And mom made me a costume to where I could be Xena. And not only did I wear that costume on Halloween, but I wore that costume for probably the two years after the Halloween that she made that costume for until that costume was so ratted, destroyed, and just plain wouldn't fit anymore. And then I'm probably, you know, still use like some of the bits. Because I love that costume. And I remember it. It's like that magic of a child. I remember it being this grand thing. But mom's explained to me at some points like, you know, the skirt was made out of like sweatpants that she cut into strips. And, you know, the sh- the, the chakram was actually made out of a paper plate that she wrapped aluminum foil around. But that thing, that was the best thing ever for me. And gosh, do I have some magical memories with that thing.
3: Yeah, I kind of wonder, I kind of wonder how much Nostalgia Goggles alters my memory of my awesome costumes growing up.
2: (laughs) I think there's probably some of that, but uh, I was going to say my favorite, one of my favorite costumes I remember is I decided one year I was going to be a gypsy. And mom and I went from thrift store to thrift store finding clothes and just every bit of cheap costume jewelry we could find. And I mean, I was just, I just remember being just covered with bracelets and necklaces and this like long wool skirt. And I don't remember the shirt at all, but I just, every bit and bobble we could find, I think I had on me. And, and I, you know, I wonder if it was really as many as I, I remember it being, but I just remember being covered with jewelry. <laughs> and I, And I had such a blast with that costume. Just, I think part of it was just the shopping with mom and finding
0: the mm-hmm. pieces.
2: Well, and I remember
0: like, it's one thing to go to a store and buy a costume, but I remember the process of making the costume and watching the pieces come together. And I remember like, just the, the build up to actually getting to wear it. Um, because I mean, you know, when, when someone's making a costume for you, you get to kind of try on the pieces as it goes along and, and, you know, get little glimpses of it. But, it takes a while for all the pieces to come together and you to get the full effect. And then, when that happened, I was just like, YES! YES! I am Xena!
2: I am the warrior princess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of getting a lot of re-wears out of a costume, when when Liz was about three or four, Devin, my husband sews. I don't. I don't sew a lot. I can do a little bit, but my husband's the. Um, I can't say seamstress tailor in our house, and he made her a Renaissance princess dress. Um. And he. I mean, there were he put out every there were there were no cuts on this dress he he bought dupiani silk and just beautiful lace he spent i don't even want to think about it because you know it was all bought in bits and pieces but i mean a lot (laughs) a lot and and um but she got so much i mean i think she was four when he made it maybe yeah I think four and she wore it that Halloween she wore it to two renaissance fairs and then she wore it I think the Halloween again when she was seven because he made it big so that it could all be taken out and, and she could wear it throughout the years and it's, it's in her keepsake box it's not something I think she's ever I think it's in her keepsake box at any rate we didn't the give pan, it to you it was did a we, fantastic
1: costume just really excellent
2: the only, other, the only reason I could think it wouldn't be in her keepsake box is if we gave it to, to somebody with a, a little girl. Um, but I think she still has that one. Um, yeah, it was it was beautiful. I mean, it was, it was something that she enjoyed wearing every time she wore it. And she got a lot of wears out of it.
1: Well, as an adult, um, you know, Megan's the minimalist of the group. But as an adult, I became a minimalist in costumes and if I was going to a Halloween party I would try to come up with the cleverest you know costume that just wouldn't even hardly be a costume you know and one uh, one year I was going to a Halloween party and there was a baby in the house and so I took a pamper and stuck it in my back pocket and um, whenever anyone said you don't have a costume. I said, Oh, yes, I, I do. I forgot to put it on. And I'd pull the pamper out of my back pocket and put it on my head like a hat. And I don't want to say what I actually said, but uh, so I'll say it in Spanish. I said, Yeah, I'm a cockahead. <laughs> so that's pretty minimal when it comes to costumes. But, uh, uh We're still in the costume thing, and uh, this Wednesday we're having a fall festival, what you used to call a Halloween party, with a um, costume contest at the church, and so um, I'm going as a hippie, and Vivian's going as a monkey, so I have to encourage you to come if you possibly can. It will be worth it.
2: (laughs) So talking about minimal costumes, that, you going as a hippie would, would qualify as that,
1: then? That's
0: not a costume.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take all. You know, when you go when you go to the fool's ball or the fall ball, they give you a necklace that's kind of like your wristband, but it's a necklace and it shows you where you're able to go and all that. And so, I'm going to wear all of those. You know, so I'm going to be like like you when you were a gypsy. I have years and years worth of uh, <laughs> Mississippi necklaces.
2: <laughs> when bacon when bacon was little, I don't I. I don't know. I think I was in college at the time, so she would have been. Well, it may have been after. I don't remember. It may have been after I moved back home. But I had seen in a magazine somebody had done an M M&M and M package and like an M M&M and M as the carrying bag. Uh, just a round bag with the uh, appliqued M M M&M and M on the package, a brown rectangle with armholes and a neck hole, basically. So I decided that I was going to make this costume for Megan. Do you remember this at all, I do not. So, it must have been when I was in college. It was probably when I was taking a costuming class. And so, I was sewing already. So, I was like, oh, I'm going to make Megan this costume. So, I made her a brown bag with an M&M applique and the the red M&M bag for her to carry her candy in. And I don't remember how long ago it was it was it was when we were in Chicago so it would have been probably five or six years ago no that was may have been four years ago and we were trying to figure out what Liz wanted to be for Halloween and so I was like well (laughs) I did this for Megan years ago what would you think of this and she thought it was a great idea so we went out and just got some fabric and and Devon and I sold up all of the. I can sew straight lines, so I could make the the bag part of it. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, the M M&M and M part. I think Devon sold the the round M M&M and M bag because <laughs> yeah. there's curves. <laughs> it's beyond
0: <laughs> your capabilities
2: at that point. Yours probably looked interesting, unless Mom sold it for you. <laughs> That's a possibility. But um, so so Liz got to recycle one of Megan's costumes. <laughs> years later not really recycle but yeah. the idea and one thing that she will tell people to this day is if you really like a certain kind of candy dress up as that kind of candy because you will get a lot of it because if they went to her house and they had any kind of candy in their bucket and m&m's was one of them she would get lots of packages of m&m's they would dig through their buckets looking for m&m's and just hand her Fistfuls of m Suddenly
0: have, a, have the urge to go trick-or-treating as a bottle of beer.
3: Yeah. My <laughs> exact thought.
2: Uh, I'm not sure how well that would work, but I asked Liz how regretful she was that she didn't go as peanut butter cups. Because I think that's one of her favorite candies.
0: I also think that M&M's are so, just a really popular Halloween candy.
2: <laughs> there's that too. <laughs> so, they come uh, in so many different varieties. But, but, yeah, I thought that was kind of fun that I got to do the same costume for two two different people at different times.
3: So, uh, back on the, the subject of minimalist costumes, one of my best costumes in my adult life is I just took an old picture frame and I backed it with cardboard. And then I just blew up a picture of the Mona Lisa I found online and printed it out on several sheets of paper and glued it down on on, on the cardboard and I just cut out Mona Lisa's face. And then I just put it over my face. And I just walk around carrying this picture frame of my face where the Mona Lisa was. And it's just one of those silly cutout things. But that year at my workplace, like all 45 of my coworkers had to get their picture taken in the Mona Lisa. And it went up on, on, on the uh, Facebook page where it was just 45 random workers where I was working as the Mona Lisa.
0: I remember this. Say, so that's the best—the costumes you can thing. share. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: It's like Dad with his pamper head.
2: I'm a boring <laughs> adult. I don't—I don't think I've dressed up in costumes since I was 12.
3: I think you should make this year different,
2: Hera. <laughs> yeah, probably not this year.
1: No, <laughs> that, that can't be true at all. You were Tweedledee. And you okay, were definitely well, in a costume.
2: <laughs> okay, I have, uh, for Halloween, I should, I, you know, I was a theater major. I've mentioned this. I was obviously in costume <laughs> occasionally for that. But... You <laughs> should go as Tweedledee, for Halloween. No. Well, the alternative makes happen.
0: you dumb. No, so.
1: Sarah, you and Elizabeth <laughs> should go as Tweedledum and Tweedledee. <laughs> that,
2: was, that was my big thing is that, that the, the girl who played Tweedledum. I just kept going, well, at least I'm not dumb, but uh, that was fun, that was a fun show, that was, I I think one of the very first, it's kind of funny, I think it was one of the very first summer children's theater productions that they did at the school I went to, and it's become a staple, that's something they do every summer, the summer before that, they were just doing, you know, plays, um, not geared towards kids or anything like that, I did a a summer production of a play called a boy's life or something like that and then the next summer they started the summer children's theater series so i was involved in the very first summer and 20 golly 21 22 years later they're still doing them which i think is super cool they give the the kids another cultural avenue during the summer months
0: and give adults more opportunities to wear costumes yeah there's there's usually a lot of cool costumes in in children's plays, yeah, um I remember going and seeing some of those plays i i agree uh another <laughs> another uh avenue of costuming that we really haven't touched on at least not uh directly is is garb and and the costuming that I know some of us have done for renaissance fairs and s c a and such um I didn't get into that as much, but I certainly borrowed pieces that other people made including uh, Rosemary uh, had lent me some pieces for one Halloween and uh, that stuff is like the fanciest of homemade costumes. Yep. It's like I, it's times like this that I actually wish I knew clothing brands so I could make a comparison that actually made sense but a uh, picture like a really expensive like clothing brand like Armani or something I don't know uh, that's what it is costume wise it's nice stuff. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep, uh, Rosemary's made herself numerous costumes. She's made me numerous costumes. We we've, we we've both had some really nice stuff. We've debated getting back into that kind of stuff now that Wendy's a little bit older, but uh, so far we just don't have the time. But it's still something we like to, to 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 pull out and think about every once in a while.
1: First time I played a wizard at d and D I I had to uh, wear a costume, so I put on a bathrobe and gear uh, had given me wizard staff, so I had a wizard staff. And I turned a um, Christmas elf hat into a rinse wind wizard hat. And so I had a pointy hat, the bathrobe, and the staff so I could get into playing a wizard in D&D. Wizard.
0: Wizard.
2: <laughs>
1: W-I-Z-A-R-D.
2: I actually did have a Renaissance costume that I never wore to a Renaissance fair, but I did wear it when I worked at um, the public library. I worked with teens, and they had the summer reading program. the The young adult section was called Just Joust. No, Joust. Joust Joustweed. Joustweed. So we did a um, program, and Kira was Kira was one of the presenters in it, where we talked about uh, medieval and Renaissance just different different things dealing with that we we talked about costumes was one of the things and so i wore my my renaissance outfit that we had bought at a ren fair it was not handmade by us but it was hand stitched by whoever made it i think not hand stitched but you know somebody sat behind a sewing machine and did it It was not factory made and so i have i have been in costume for that as well but it's just not on halloween
3: there's such a stick in the mud
2: I tell you, but yeah, that was that was a cool program because I think Kira brought in a kilt, right? Am I correct mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, and showed sounds likely. Showed, <laughs> sounds likely. <laughs> Devin's been wanting to do Ren Fair costumes for us again. Like, I mean, I say again, he's never had a Ren Fair costume, and Liz hasn't had one since she was probably seven or eight. So. Um, and, and I had one that I wore once to a library program and I no longer own because I'm pretty sure I gave it to Rosemary because it just wasn't something I figured she could, if, if nothing else, make
3: use of the material. Um, yeah, I think I remember that. I think she wore that to a few events that we went to.
2: Very cool. I'm glad I got some use because, you know. It was just not we, – we weren't going to Ren Fairs for a while, like when we lived in Chicago and stuff. And it, it's unfortunate. I would have liked to have gone up to the Bristol Ren Fair because it's one of the largest in the country. And, and it just was something that never worked out time-wise for us. And I, I would have really liked to have done that. But we, we still try to go to the St. Louis Ren Fair when we can, and it's, it's, a, it's a fun one. It's gotten a little big for its space. That's the only complaint I have.
0: Yeah, it's a fairly small uh, renaissance fair to feel as crowded as
1: it
2: does. Yeah.
1: I don't care that much about the costumes. I just want to plop beer and sing ball songs.
3: There's lots of that going on. So there are two uh, SCA events that Rosemary and I loved going to uh, when we were heavily involved with the SCA. And one was Sam Hain. Uh, sometimes better known as Orc Wars where it happened in October and part of it was whenever you put on your armor you decked it out like some sort of uh, 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 fantasy Tolkien race and you had orcs and elves and dwarves and goblins and it was just a combination of Renaissance Fair meets Halloween and it was so good. And another event that we absolutely loved, which is another mashup, uh, Diamond Wars was uh, more or less kind of just, you know, get together and have a big war event. But the Friday night before Diamond Wars, there was just this little circular arena off-site, and people would pile into that little arena, and it would do... The the WWE World Wrestling Entertainment meets SCA, Rattan Sword, and Armor Fighting, and every fighter would come in and they'd have their own theme music and they'd have announcers and it was just hilarious and over the top and it was a fantastic time.
1: Samhain was a pre-Christian Celtic holiday that the Christians then turned into All Hallows' Eve, which is now our Halloween. Christians are really good at that.
2: So, one thing I think when people think about geeks and costumes is cosplay. And I think it's kind of weird because I don't know that any of us have done cosplay. Have either of y'all done cosplay?
0: I, I haven't. I know a lot of people who do, and it fascinates me the stuff that they can churn out and how good it is um and sometimes how you know non-covering it is so that's maybe part of the reason why i've avoided it it doesn't (laughs) doesn't have have to be be, but it seems like that comes with the territory for a lot of the the ones i
2: know who do it (laughs) kind of like halloween too though
3: that's true Yeah, uh, I I too have not done cosplay. Uh, uh, I, I know we have people in our family who have, uh, and I know many friends have. Uh, uh, I have a bunch of friends who would uh, go to uh, World of Warcraft conventions dressed up as their character, and man, they were decked out. They looked really good.
0: Now I will say Yeah, Liz has talked about Sorry. Go ahead. Now I will say two years ago for the fiftieth anniversary of Doctor Who, I did go as eleven to several events. Um, nothing really Doctor Who related. I had a Doctor Who party where I was dressed up as eleven, but you know, it just happened to be around Halloween, so I took advantage of that. And uh that's probably the closest to, to what one would call costume play out of my costumes, but it's it's really funny because it's such a thin line. Cuz I didn't go to a convention in that costume, right. but it's still clearly something that you could go to a convention as. A lot of people do go to convention as, you know, the doctor. So, I
2: guess I have.
3: Right. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, where do you draw the line? Is it is it only cosplay if you're at a convention?
2: I I don't think only at a convention. No. I think I mean Obviously, I think if you're standing in line for a a Star Wars movie, you could still count it as cosplay for sure, Um, (laughs) without a doubt, but I think, I don't even know that it would have to be a big public event.
1: Cosplay Um, is like fan fiction, you know, we were talking about fan fiction last week, and cosplay is kind of another side of that uh, creative fandom.
0: Yeah, I will say that those who, who participate in cosplay definitely embrace that element and really... You know, take on habits and characteristics of whoever they're portraying and, and, you know, essentially act that role. And that's why they typically go to public events and stuff like that, because that's more fun.
2: Yeah, and that's where the play part of it comes from. So, um.
3: I actually watched a video recently uh, from some convention where a guy showed up, dressed up as Kefka from Final Fantasy VI and a girl showed up dressed up as Harley Quinn from Batman the Animated Series and they just happened to run each other at that event and they just both hammed it up all the event long uh, and uh, they had a buddy of theirs record it and I don't think they'd even met each other before this event but they he just went up ran around, he had the, the Kefka laugh down perfectly and he was just you know acting like Kefka, and Harley Quinn just followed him around acting like Harley Quinn up to the point that she kept calling him Mr. K.
1: Yeah. Well, when I was when I was younger, we didn't call it cosplay, we called it guerrilla theater. And um some friends of mine uh dressed up as Batman and Robin and invaded a college campus. As Batman and Robin and did the Batman and Robin thing and then ran off.
0: The Batman and Robin thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you know, that, tell bad jokes. That
2: could be interpreted in a number of ways. <laughs> <laughs> Liz has shown some interest in maybe wanting to do some cosplay at some point, which was one of the reasons I brought it up because it's been on my mind a little bit lately. And um, I need to, other than we watched some YouTube videos, especially Well, like, I mean, it's is a... the geekiest of costume stuff. <laughs> I, I felt like I would go. amiss miss not mentioning it in this in this
3: um, podcast. Absolutely. Sounds like we're not going to get any geekier than that. <laughs> we already
0: got <laughs> to the geekiest. So I guess that wraps this topic up, huh? All right, we're gonna. Oh, yeah, we're, we're gonna take a quick break and come back with our pick of the week.
1: Download the podcast mp3s at our website, RelatedToGeeks.com. You can also listen on our YouTube channel and our Tumblr. Our show notes are chock full of links to all of the geeky stuff we discuss.
0: Alright everybody, welcome back. We are going to talk briefly about our picks of the week. These are just things that we've enjoyed the past couple of weeks that we would like to share with you. So let's start off with you, Dad. What's your pick of the week?
1: The public library at Jonesboro, where Sarah and I used to work and where the Northeast Arkansas Gamer Guilds now has game days, um, has a great online program where um, you can, uh, through Overdrive, download eBooks, or um, they have a free music download and so my overdrive pick of the week is Neil Stephenson's Snow Crash it's uh, cyberpunk science fiction I'm I'm in the middle of it now and uh, it has a virtual reality element like Ready Player One so I'm enjoying that a lot it's uh, um, I don't know um, exposition is bad and there's a lot of exposition it's so bad that they have a artificial intelligence character called the librarian who does nothing but exposition, that's all he's good for and so that's the slow part but other that's pretty action-packed and I'm enjoying it um, and then the uh, my music downloads that I, and you get to download six songs a week which seems like not a lot but it, you end up getting a free album every two weeks and before you know it you got more than you've had time to listen to it but it's uh, uh, Cecile McLaurin Savant really great jazz center you can download her on freegal if your library has freegal or if you can get a library card at a library that has freegal and i downloaded the uh... uh woman child um, album and it's she's got uh... Bessie smith in her and she's got bestie in her Sarah Juan, you know so uh... she's got her influences and she does a variety she does a uh, some show stuff you know show tune type stuff and and blues. She even does John Henry, a kind of a folk song. So uh, highly recommended great jazz singer Cecile McLaurin Savant. And then uh along with the uh audio video setup, uh I'm back to watching Firescape, so I have to recommend the Firescape science fiction series, very entertaining. And my pick of the day is uh Homemade peanut butter cookies were the four cross hatches on the top. I've been eating them today, so you have to you have homemade peanut butter so cookies.
0: So I, ex- I got excited <laughs> for Farscape because that's one of my favorite sci-fi series, but I got really excited for peanut butter cookies.
1: <laughs> yeah. was,
2: speaking of which, I, I did a smart thing not too long ago, and I just put a post-it note with a um, recipe for brownies on our cabinet door. So occasionally, I'll be like Liz, go make us some brownies, <laughs> and it's the <laughs> best thing ever. Because <laughs> now you know, I mean the the post it's there. She has the recipe, and she'll now, just go and make some brownies. Now I understand why people
0: have kids. It's not it's not to continue, <laughs> you know, the human civilization. It's, all it's all about about just just to have someone to go make you brownies.
1: I <laughs> have to start a new thing. And that's putting recipes in our notes. <laughs> i
3: <laughs> just going
1: to have
0: to link the, the brownie recipes here to Link the brownie recipe I'm recipe, serious. and then uh, I'm sure so, I got it online Somehow you're going to have to teleport <laughs> so Liz to out. all these people's houses.
1: Hey, <laughs> email, it to, email it to me and I'll put it in If it fits on a post-it note, it can't be too hard <laughs>
2: I, I, it's just the ingredients on the post it notes, you know, you know. <laughs> you wanna That's make brownies,
0: true. take a chocolate cake uh, mix and you add everything to the chocolate cake mix except the water and you bake it and you make brownies. <laughs> you add the eggs and the really? oil but not the water and it's brownies.
2: However brownie mix brownie mix is usually cheaper really? than cake mix.
0: Not in my experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, also also uh. brownies brownies delicious. Especially <laughs> with ice cream.
3: <laughs> yep. I will oh, yeah. I will no. say this. My my preferred way to watch Farscape is with peanut butter
1: yeah. cookies. Farscape and peanut butter cookies, the perfect combination. Just the ponies <laughs> and ice cream. And Farscape.
3: And Farscape. <laughs> <laughs> and peanut butter cookies. <laughs>
1: just just I mean, you know. <laughs> and Cecile Lawrence Savant.
0: Oh. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here with my pick of the week uh, because I feel like is is Halloween time, and I actually mentioned this series to Kier this weekend, but it's the Scary Game Squad. Um, this is on Jesse Cox YouTube channel, uh, and it is four guys who pick a scary game, and they have one of them play it, and the other three kind of you know give instructions and uh, discuss what to do next and and how to proceed and analyze the story and try to figure out the twist. Um, They all do this probably starting at about 1 a.m. after having several alcoholic beverages and then proceed to drink more alcoholic beverages as they play the game and it is hysterical. It is the best stuff ever. Uh, A specific series that I would recommend is their Until Dawn series. One of, the, one of the best playthroughs I have seen in a long time. Very good stuff.
2: So it's kind of like My yeah. Dark Kitchen, but with... <laughs> with scary video games. Games? Oh. Now, now, you know, I had mentioned that earlier that I don't tend to watch much on YouTube. That's just kind of binge-watchy uh-huh. kind of stuff until this past week. <laughs> except on topics. But when Carl first told me about Hannah Hart, which was... Well, we still lived in Chicago. So a while back. I'm pretty sure I binge watched every one of her episodes that she had at that point. I was like, Yep, this <laughs> is funny stuff.
3: I I absolutely adore my drunk kitchen. That's one of the <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I
2: feel like
0: there's a thing that makes drunk people less obnoxious and that's editing.
2: <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. sure that has <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a thing that makes drunk people more obnoxious and that's drunk.
0: What? Dad, you there?
1: Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'll say it again. There's a thing that makes drunk people more obnoxious, and that's drunk.
3: More drunk?
0: I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very tired. (laughs) Um
2: I think drunk people. uh, Yeah, it's your favorite. It's the best punchline
0: ever. (laughs) Um I really wanted. Oh to dang it! Play He's gone. Something, but
1: I did. Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <sighs> oh, mate! Oh, you there. Okay. Hey, I'm still here. You, I'm still you here. were, you were, you were all dotified for a second. You had the dots going.
1: <laughs> oh. Um. Okay, I'm here. My now.
0: other, not really a pick, but I just wanted to throw out a comment for it was I watched Age of Ultron for the first time tonight because I had a free Redbox rental and I watched that while I was painting my miniatures and I have never watched a movie that has quite as much in it as Age of Ultron and still left me feeling very underwhelmed. There's a lot of stuff! There's a lot of stuff going on in that movie and I just, like, when it finished I was like, huh. Well, there you go.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That was the movie. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, that's my five second review of Age of Ultron, which came out six months ago, and everybody's like, you know, super over it by now, but still. <laughs> Alright, Kier, have you picked a pick of the week?
3: Can it be Bones <laughs> Miniatures? I really like Bones <laughs> Miniatures. I don't know if I have... Experience.
0: Well, to be fair, their paints are also good. Reaper paints are good.
3: Their paints are also good. Yes. My pick of the I week have. is Reaper paints that I will use to paint (laughs) Reaper Bones Miniatures, which are awesome.
1: I also want to mention that Carl made a Bones Miniature stress (laughs) test.
3: Pick of the week is also Carl's great video.
0: All right, Sarah. Wrap up this train wreck. What's your
2: pick? (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) Great introduction. Um... (laughs) <laughs> i found out yesterday i think it is that barnes and noble is doing a mini maker fair nationwide um starting i was not starting but on the weekend of november 6th so it runs november 6th through 8th and it says that it happens at most stores nationwide so i'm guessing there's a few that it's not happening at and i checked the one in jonesboro because i was curious and they have three different programs that they'll be doing, it looks like, throughout the weekend. And, and there's different times for each, so you just have to, like, go to, to your local Burns and Noble and figure out what time the things you're interested in are happening. But what's happening at the, the one in Jonesboro is they have a Meet the Makers, which is basically, it looks like there'll be different makers around that will talk about what they're doing and talk about trends and stuff like that. They also will have a Make Workspace. And it just says that they're going to demonstrate and um, let people experience some of the latest products in 3D printing, robotics, coding, programming, and more. And the last one is Make and Collaborate. And it looks like they've got stuff, like, um, broken up into age ranges, too. So, they're starting with 5+. plus. They have Lego Bionicle. They have Snap Circuits and think fun wheels and gadgets, and then ages eight plus. They have some electronic building blocks and cool paper machines, and then they have adults, which they're counting as thirteen plus. Um, Lego Architectural Studio and Extraordinaire's Design Studio Pro, so things that they'll be they'll be um, doing some hands-on learning with. And I just think it's really cool that they're they're putting this kind of you know mini mobile makerspace and in. A place that people who aren't necessarily—I always like it when when things that aren't necessarily the people going there are going for that, so it can kind of introduce new people to the world of of maker spaces and maker fairs, which I think is brilliant. It's like playing board games in public places, so people can can maybe maybe experience something that they haven't heard of or seen. I wanted to call Yeah,
3: you know what I think yeah. is about that? What is that? I think what's brilliant about that is I think that weekend is the one weekend that I don't have anything planned for like the rest of the year. So, bam. So now you
2: got
0: plans.
3: Got that covered.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we don't have to worry about just sitting home and doing nothing.
2: So yeah, I think it's I think it looks kind of interesting. Um, unfortunately, Devin's on call that weekend, so we can't go check it out. But. Um, I wanted to share it because I think it sounds super interesting and and it looked like different stores have different programs like I noticed when it first brought brought up the Barnes and Noble website when I was looking into it a little bit further it brought up the Cambridge, Massachusetts one um, which is obviously going to be a bigger town <laughs> than Jonesboro is and um, I noticed that they had like a raspberry pie workshop that they were doing there so I think it's definitely worth checking your local Barnes and Noble to see if there's anything super cool going on. I, you know, I, I feel like sometimes I live in this little bubble where I assume everybody knows Make Magazine and Maker Spaces and Maker Faires and all of this stuff, and then I start thinking, I think it's kind of like the PewDiePie thing, right? Like, there's somebody that may not know about it that would be interested in it. So I, I think that's, that's pretty fun.
0: Yeah, I've quickly discovered that there's there's nothing so mainstream that everybody just knows it, you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it used to be that if someone had a Top 10 hit, that it was, you know, on every radio and every car in the country, and everybody knew the song and knew that guy's name. But if you take, uh, say, for instance, the country western charts, and grab five out of the top ten at random and ask people. Most people never heard of any of them.
3: I'm going to put this to the test later. I want to look at the top <laughs> ten country artists and see if I can name five of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, there'll be a bunch of them you never heard of, I'll guarantee you. Or ah, rock or whatever cool. chart because there's, you know, it's all fragmented. And everybody's interests are all fragmented. And some people are interested in superheroes. And some people are interested in makerspace. And some people are interested in stuff that isn't even geeky. If you what? can imagine that.
2: Like the Cubs who did not win the World series against yeah. the Mets. That's bad. But they did beat the Cardinals, which I talked about last time. We didn't know yet. So, <laughs> I have that.
0: Voided <laughs> over the Cardinals all the time. <laughs> and and, and, and that's that, somehow... That was a-
1: well, Somehow we had the Cubs against the Mets. Is that correct? The Cubs yes. against the Mets.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. no, yes. That's
1: weird. No, I don't even know about
3: baseball.
2: That's really weird. <laughs> I totally swept the state. But The reason I had the giggle about the we beat the Cardinals is I live pretty deep in Cardinal country. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have quite a few family members, even, that are, are pretty big Cardinals fans <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, um, everybody here, where I live, everybody's a Cardinals fan There's, there's so very few Cubs fans To explain
0: Park. how I feel about sports, when I bought the truck that I have currently, it had a Cardinals uh, plate on the front of the truck and I, the first thing I did was remove that plate. Not because I'm anti-Cardinals. It's because I'm anti-sports all together and I don't want anybody coming and talking to me about sports. Because I'd be like, "Uh, <laughs> This is a pretty bird. <laughs> That's my it's commentary like, it's on like the like Cardinals. <laughs> hockey. It's like hockey football. <laughs> hockey sports ball.
1: So what you're saying... We have cardinals in our poke bush outside our window. (laughs) There you go.
3: So so what you're saying is, I should put a license plate on the front of my car that's just covered in D20s. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That way people can come talk to you about D20s. I think you would be able to handle that conversation.
3: I I, I welcome that conversation.
2: I wish I liked wearing, like, graphic tees more, because I think there are so many graphic tees that are so geeky and nerdy that, like, they will just bring those things up in conversation. But I hate the attention that graphic tees bring to me. I want to have those conversations, but I don't want, I don't know, I don't want everybody talking to me about them. I don't know Typically I mean.
0: speaking, <laughs> and this is this is when I was in college, where it wasn't really unusual to, like, spark up a conversation with a perfect stranger, Um Typically speaking, the most that those t-shirts get you is, oh, I like those shirts. I was like, thanks, man. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah. really what they amount to.
1: <laughs> so that's why, that's why I like to wear tie-dyes, because I only <laughs> want to talk to hippies.
2: Well, I have a I have a shirt. It actually was bought for my husband, but I adopted it, and it's it's a Woot shirt, and it's a, it's like an orc standing in a dungeon scratching his head as the warrior rolls, the you know, as the D20s bouncing across the floor, and, and I love that shirt, but I don't wear it very often because I don't know it, it. Like I said, it brings attention to me, and I don't like that a whole lot, so <laughs> it sits in the closet most yeah. of the time, but. I'll wear it to gaming conventions. Like, when I went to Geekway last year, I wore it one of the days. This Saturday,
3: and can go as a geek for Halloween. There you go. That would yeah, if Dad's
2: awesome. allowed to
0: go as a hippie, I mean. <laughs> 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 I should be allowed to go as a geek. <laughs> Alright, oh, no. on that note, I think we have all picked our picks and picked our noses and picked everything else. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, we are done with this podcast <laughs> it, is it is late. late. <laughs> we have had all of the technical difficulties. Duh, duh. Stab, all stab. of the technical difficulties. <laughs> and uh, we are super excited to s- talk again in a couple of weeks about a different topic that we will probably pick the day of the podcast because we are
2: super organized.. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe y'all can talk about the mini maker fair that y'all all get to go to.
0: <laughs> Be like, all right. Thank you so so much for listening. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye.
1: It's dead, Jim.
0: Beep, 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 beep. This is just random audio for dad to listen to later while I recall call everybody as yes, i'll call everybody